Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. He's on the service master by Cornerstone phone line. It is Chris Harrington. Chris, what are we listening to? That is Road to Nowhere by the Talking Heads. <laughs> the Grizzlies moved to 0-4 on their season-long five-game road trip. Disaster! No, it's the first four-game losing streak uh, since February of last year. Uh, let's start with the last play, Chris. What the hell happened? That's not, that's not that long ago, by the way. No. You know, no. the first in a year. Okay. Really, less than, um, less than a year because that was in February and it's now January. Yeah. Right, it's not that long right. ago. It's not right. like it's a first since 2009 or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, what happened on the last play? What's your sense of what do you think happened on the last play? What went wrong? Uh, I The Grizzlies had 14 defense on an inbounds play. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, I mean, right. if you if you want to Zabruder film it, there's a lot going on there. I mean, they're not guarding the inbounds passer, um, whether that's you know a player mistake or or, a, or strategy, I don't know. But they're they're not guarding the inbounds passer. There's they're hyper focused on Clay Thompson, um, as, to some degree they should be. But to the point that you know they ended up with three guys focused on him. They left Zaire out on an island one on one with Jordan Bull, and Zaire got beat. And so it's partly like you know Zaire got beat one on one, and I think it's partly like a team defense. Um, you know, it's it, it's a combination of those, and it's partly that uh, Jaron wasn't there, um, which yeah. which certainly didn't help. Uh, you, we, we'll get to fouls in a minute. Um, let Zaire Williams. That was a really, as you called it, rough game uh, on, as you called it on Twitter, rough game for Zaire Williams. One of seven from the field, zero of six from three, minus nineteen if you pay attention to such things in a two point loss, and left. Uh, burned on the last play of the game. I now have people like, I've given up on Zaire Williams. Um, I've sort of given up on Zaire Williams and sort of thinking I can count on him for anything, count on him for anything this year, meaningful this year. What's your assessment, broadly speaking, about Zaire Williams? Um, I, you know, I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he, he is pretty, he came into the league obviously very raw, having barely played even one year of college. And he's also, to compound that, someone who I think there there was more physical maturity to come from him than, than some other players. And so, to me, he was always more of a Jaron than a Bain. Not to say he would be as good as either of those players, but in terms of having a very long runway to be what he's going to be, it was always going to be a longer process. The thing about the Grizzlies is they, they've sort of mostly been insistent on on feeding feeding opportunity to, to the young players they believe in very early on, which does ultimately tend to pay dividends. 
but they're so but they've also found themselves so ahead of schedule competitively that there's a there's a real tension between those two things. Is it ultimately good long term? You know, for Zaire Williams and David Roddy and some of these players to get minutes, yeah, but it's rare to see that happening on a team that's like second in a conference. And so it's the tension between how good they've gotten, how fast versus, you know, this sort of tendency to, to want to, to want to develop players on the floor. And those things come into conflict sometimes. And I think they're in conflict right now. Are you, um, what's your assessment of whether or a level of belief that he will ever be a meaningful three point shooter? Um, I think decent. I, 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 I think, you know, I think the form looks good. He, the numbers on the whole aren't good, but there are stretches when they are. I, I it, you know, I think he's likely to be a good three-point shooter in time. I, you know, I mean, that was a particularly bad game last night. He's had good games, and so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't trust it in the moment. I don't trust it in the playoffs this year. But as a long-term proposition, I feel decent about that. Uh, Jaron last night, he did ultimately foul out, and you, uh, uh, as it happens, you wrote in your column about Stephen Adams, you addressed some of the myths about uh, Jaron Jackson and minutes and free throws, uh, I mean, and, and fouls. Um, he did foul out um, last night, and it was sort of a weird thing. Like, the first half, it was wildly underused, it felt like, and then the second half, he was much more effective. They fed him the ball, among other things. What did you make of Jaron's game last night? Yeah, I think in the first half, he just didn't... They have, it's not just. It's not totally just a Jaron thing. I, I think... They they have a hard time. Although he's the one player who you, you can do other things with, and they're just not used to doing the other things. It's hard for they don't really get their big men the ball in good scoring positions unless it's like catching lobs or spot up threes for the most part. Like you know they're not, they're just not good at running post stuff and running running stuff to get big men the ball. And so Jaron ends up a lot of times you saw this in the first half, just catching the ball outside the three-point line and trying to like go one-on-one or whatever. And that that's not – he can do that sometimes, but that's not the best way to get him involved. I mean, I, I'm, on, I'm on the island that, that is oft, oftentimes been rocky and barren, that he needs to be taking more threes. Like, I, I, he's shooting 38% from three this year, and, like, you have several guys on the team taking more than him shooting worse, um, including Zaire Williams. So I'd like to see him get, get more opportunities to shoot threes. Um, but I do think good good things happened in the second half when they started getting him the ball on post ups. And if you'll notice, like the first time they went to it, he he scored on Draymond. Yep. And then the next time down, they tried to go to it on the other side of the floor. And the defensive attention on that is why they got the alley to Brandon Clark, uh, because the Brandon Clark's defender was helping over on the Jaron post up, and that freed up. And so it's not just about Jaron; it's about sort of getting some movement and getting some stuff in the offense that makes the defense react instead of like just. A lot of there was a lot of standing around last night and taking bad shots and going one on one. And I think getting your bigs involved in the middle of the floor, whether it's Jaron or other players, helps that. Um, yeah, he ended up fouling out. I mean, I think at least one of those was probably not a foul. Whether That's it would have gotten overturned, yeah. whether it would have gotten overturned on a challenge, I can't say with 100 percent certitude about that. But I think it certainly should have been a no call. And then the one that he fouled out on, like. That was a real foul, but that was a particularly frustrating one because he got baited into it twice. It was it was a product of the Grizzlies having a terrible possession, and then the ball ricochets off, and he's going to go off as a rebound, and Draymond Green sort of like, you know, knowingly sort of turns a certain way 100%. in order to draw a foul, right? And so we can, I mean, we can go deep on the Jaron foul stuff or not. I mean, I wrote a lot about it. 
Um, and I got into really the weeds of the of the actual numbers and outside of just like the storyline assumption kind of stuff. Uh, the truth is, he still has a high foul rate. It has gone down four years in a row. It, it, it needs to go down one or two more ticks to be comfortable with it. Um, it is not the reason why he's averaging 27 minutes a game this season, which a lot of people around the country seem to think. But it is a real concern relative to projecting into playoff basketball. And last night would had sort of a feel of a playoff style basketball game. D- during the most of the season, they're not trying to play him 32. Like he, he's a game with zero fouls and competitive game, you know, whatever. They just, that's not what they want to do. But last night was a game where I think they did want to do that. He would have played 32. He wouldn't have played 35 or 37, but he would have played 32 if he hadn't fouled out. And so that that, that was a game that did cost him a few minutes. Yeah, it, 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 you can folks can read the piece over the Daily Memphian. But the the the, the, the national narrative that this addresses, at least in part, is that boy, Jaron's great. But if he would just stop fouling, he could play 32 minutes a game instead of uh, 26.4 minutes a game. And, boy, the fouls, and, and as, as Chris takes pain to point out, it, it's, it's A, the Grizzlies don't play their, 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 their starters and key players heavy minutes anyway. And then, B, given his injury history, they are particularly careful with Jaron. He'd only fouled out one other time. Is that right, Chris, I think? Yeah, that was, that was yeah. the second foul out of the season. So fouls are not – did not explain his limited minutes. And not only that, he doesn't have the highest foul rate on the team. And his foul rate per 100 possessions has gone from 7.3 his first year to 6.6 to 6 to 5.5. So it's consistently come down. Having said right. that, the, the point that you go on to make is, is that if you look at other elite bigs, it is still pretty high. And this could yep. be, as we saw last night, right, a real issue going forward. Yes. How is the – in terms of the bigs, like is it – is he? I mean, you might not have the numbers in front of you. This is this is he's demonstrably. This is something he struggles with relative to other players like him. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll we'll see where it plateaus, right? I mean, it's been it's been trending down. Is it is is where he's at this season the plateau, or is it going to trend down again? Is is the downward trend going to continue next season? And you know, we don't we don't know where he's going to end up. It, it, it's 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 down to the manageable range. It is still higher than the other elite bigs. It's not higher than every, you know, it's lower than Yusuf Nurkic, it's lower than Jonas Valanciunas, it's lower than Ben Simmons, it's lower than lots of meaningful players on, on contending teams. But among the elite, the defensive player of the year contender bigs, you know, Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Evan Mobley and, and, and Rudy Gobert and all those guys, it is the highest of those. Now, it is not astronomically higher. Like, I think Jaron's at 5.5 and the next guy on that list is like at 5.1 or something like that. But it is the highest. He does have the highest foul rate of the elite defensive bigs in the league. And the, I think for the Grizzlies, you would like to see that, you know, that downward trend continue at least one more season to get him down to the range that's more within that group than sort of a little bit of an outlier from that group. So the Grizzlies lose again to Golden State. And um, and it, it, I don't know, it sort of, uh, you know, uh, highlights this debate that we've been having about how aggressive should the Grizzlies be to address the uh, clear flaws that they have on the roster? We saw last night, again, wing depth is an issue, shooting is an issue, um, and so how aggressive uh, should they be? Is there, by the way, besides OG Ananobi, is there a player who represents some big swing that anyone talks about realistically, or are we really just talking about one, in terms of the big swing, and I, 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 in the in the podcast you did with Hollinger, he wasn't even sure he counted that as a big swing. But let's say that that is. 
Is there any other player who sort of has been bandied about, or are we literally just talking, when we talk about this, are we literally mm -hmm. just talking about a player who may or may not be available, who others may bid more for, but it's really one player? You know, it you know, people talk about Pascal Siakam. I, I, people talk about DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I've looked at those, and I've sort of taken a look at that, and I don't have a lot of, I, not only do I think it's unlikely, which is obvious, I, I'm not sure if it's wise. Right. I mean, the, the contracts are so big that it take, it's going to take so much to, to so much things to put together to do that, and then there's real questions about the fit. And Pascal Siakam's a power forward, and so to me, this is not the, the Grizzlies' problem. Yes, they could use just a talent upgrade, but like they're in good shape in the front court with Stephen Adams, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, Santi Aldama. So if you're bringing in a Pascal Siakam, like what are you doing? Are you, are you bringing Stephen Adams off the bench? Are you trading Stephen Adams in that trade? Is that a team that's really going to be better? I, you know, I, I don't know about that. Demar Derozan, maybe. I mean, maybe with that, maybe you're so frustrated with Dylan Brooks, you do that. But like. That really hurts your defense, and then he's a guy who just needs the ball a lot. And do we and Ja fit together? And so I don't really see you know fits there beyond just the the complications of the salary stuff you put out. If there's another name out there that makes more sense as a meaningful difference maker than than OJ Ananobi would be, it's somebody under the radar people aren't talking about. I think. And what do you think the level of of realistic? I mean, the, the OJ Ananobi. What's your assessment of of that? Um, and, and what would a, uh, offer look like? What would a deal look like for OG Ananobi? Well, the question there is whether is it, is it Dylan Brooks or is it Danny Green? That's, that's their starting point from a salary standpoint. And does that impact the rest of the value? That would sort of be the question. I, I think, I think OG Ananobi is going to get traded. Um, and I think the Grizzlies, if he's on the market, the Grizzlies will, or maybe already have, I, this is not, this is not Intel. This is just assumption. Right. I just assume they're making they're going to make an offer, or they have already if he's available. But I think so are twelve other teams. So I don't think the Grizzlies are the most likely destination at all. Um, you know, to me, you have to start with either Green or Brooks, and then you probably add one more player, Zaire Williams or Jake Laravia, maybe, and then you're talking about draft picks. And so, you know, is Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, and one first round pick enough? For Toronto, is that too much for Memphis? Is is Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, and two first round picks? Like you know, is it if it's Danny Green, is Danny Green, Zaire, and a pick? Is that enough? Is Danny Green, Zaire, and two picks? I mean, that's Danny the, Green, the universe of does, stuff does you're talking Dylan, about. Does Dylan, as a free agent, does Dylan add extra value to the? Obviously, Dylan's a better player, healthier that, player, that, younger player, more meaningful player than Danny Green. But as a free agent, he doesn't have any particular value in that package. Wouldn't you prefer it just to be Danny Green? And given that, I, I think prefer it's the it from, other from, stuff. From, that, which, from which point of view? Well, from I don't think it particularly matters that much to Toronto. I would imagine that's the yeah. that's the question. And so, if if Dylan Brooks does not have value in a particular trade construction, if Dylan Brooks does not have value beyond the value of a, of an expiring contract match. Right. I think it's hard to put Dylan Brooks in that trade because the Grizzlies are going to have to attach a value to that, that they're going to have to, you know, you know, it's going to impact their ledger. And if that value does not relate to the other team, then you have a real imbalance in the draft pick conversation you're talking about. On the other hand, if you say you did an OG and an OB trade that involved Danny Green and a young player and draft picks, and then, oh, great, you got OG Ananobi and Dylan Brooks. Well, I think that creates a complicated scenario in terms of in terms of your chemistry and what you're doing and how you're going into next summer and all of that. So I think it's, it, 
you know, we're going deep on something that probably won't happen, although right. I wouldn't 100% rule it out, by the way. I would not 100% rule it out. So I do think it's worth talking about. But, you know, you get in a complicated territory. What's the complication if you have them both on your roster heading into the offseason, briefly? Well, let's talk about let's talk about in-season first. Okay. <laughs> Who's coming off the bench? Right. I think I, right. I, I think Dylan Brooks is coming off the bench. Is Dylan Brooks going to be happy coming off the bench? Right. I, you know, on this team, I, I you know, behind a guy that you just brought in who you're probably – so I'll be the reason you're not going to resign him. I I don't know. I don't know if that works. And so I'd almost rather have Dylan Brooks in the trade for an Ananobi. Right. But then I, that makes me want to give up less in terms of draft picks. And if Toronto doesn't see it that way, that's where you get a problem. Would you give up Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, the Golden State first in 24, and the Grizzlies first this year? Uh, that's a lot, man. That's, that's a, lot. a lot. That's a lot. But um, that's one that, like, I'm not sure New Orleans. Like, I think you're not going to get a deal for him because, you, as you pointed out, 12 teams are going to make calls on him. And other teams have uh, – New Orleans in particular I, has more assets. I, I – if I'm giving up two picks and Zaire Williams and Dylan Brooks, uh-huh. I'm trying to make one of those picks not the Golden State pick. And I'm trying to make it, you know, protected – Top 10 protected, you know, in 2025 instead of the Golden State pick, which, you know, has more upside potential on it. But ultimately, do I think that's too much from a, from a raw value standpoint? Yes. Is that too much to give up from OG Ananobi? I do. Would I do it? I still might. I would, I would note that Zach Kleiman has a history of not caring about the theoretical value equality of trades. Right. Um, when, when they did the move-up trade, you know, to get Steven Adams, who people at that time thought was mostly a salary throw-in. That was not really a target. When they made that trade to move up in the draft, a lot of people like looked at that and said, well, the value is a little off. And Zach Kleiman's reaction was, we accomplished what we were trying to accomplish. Right. I don't care about well, that. Well, Justice right? Winslow, same thing. It didn't work out, but yeah. he didn't care about the value in that. League-wide, people were saying, well, that's a lot to, you know, you shouldn't have taken on this contract, whatever right. else. He said, I like Justice so, Winslow. Yeah. Yeah, so the reality is you only got so many roster spots, which is, to me, one of their biggest problems this season. They overloaded their roster spots with guys who aren't helping them. You only have so many roster spots, and so you have all these players on a contract. You have all these draft picks. At some point, it helps you to consolidate. Even even if you're trading you know, 75 cents for a 50-cent piece, that's probably better for you, and to me, it's that kind of deal. And if I can add, add OG Ananobi, who essentially is a better version of Dylan Brooks, right? I mean, you're... you're I've said repeatedly, I value Dylan Brooks because the role he plays defensively, you have to have someone play that role. Well, Dylan Brooks is not the only player in the league who can play that role. OG Ananobi can play that role, and he's younger, and he's under contract at least next season, and he's a better offensive player. So if I can add him to John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson, yeah, I think I'll overpay a little bit. I wonder if you could sub in Jake LaRavia for a, uh, one of those firsts. That's going to be up to, yeah, well, that's the question, right? What is Toronto going to, willing to value a Lorraine? What players is Toronto or any other team, by the way, right. in, in any trade negotiation, what, 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 what versus young players are other teams willing to attach essentially a first round pick value on? Is, is, is Iowa Williams still that? I would hope so. Um, is, is LaRavia that? Is Roddy that? You know, I, that, I, I think Santi Aldama, who we're not talking about because nobody wants to see him go because we all love him, but like maybe like that, there's real value there. Like maybe that's a guy you consider because yeah. he's, he's your fourth big and he has real value. There's an argument that I, some teams may value him more than they valued Zaire Williams, you know? Oh, I, I, think, I think at this point most teams might. Yeah. 
Which uh, is my point. I, I haven't suggested that either because I love that dude. I don't want to trade him. But in rea- reality, <laughs> if he has real value and he's your fourth guy in your big man rotation, maybe that's a guy you got to consider trying to cash in on. Uh, and then there's the. By the way, do you think that it's possible that the that the that the wing depth issue that the players who will solve it are on the roster? They just won't solve it this year. You know, Laravia. Yeah, Rodney, yeah. No, I think I think Zaire. that's possible. And yeah. yeah, I think that's possible. And obviously, you, I mean, if you're doing nothing, which I think is the most likely scenario, you hope is that Danny Green comes in, he steps into that third role. And now you now you're dealing with Zaire Williams, John Conchar, who was obviously out last night. You're dealing with them as like fourth wing in the rotation, and that that shores you up for now. And then you're hoping, like you know, that collectively your Zaire, Roddy, Laravia, they all take steps forward next season, sort of in the way Santi Aldama just did. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario. Is you're bringing in Danny Green, you're hoping he shores it up, and you're hoping these guys fix your problem over time. Uh, all right, Chris, I appreciate it. You can read his uh, piece over at the Daily Memphian. Thanks very much. Thanks. Chris Harrington from the We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.